This is the organic stream. Welcome. If you look at the history of civilization, there is a direct relationship between the decline of soil quality and the decline of those civilizations. All these things came from the earth. We need to go back to the earth. We're not just keeping this stuff out of the landfill and making it product. And that's the attitude you have to take. Hi there and welcome to the Organic Stream Podcast with your host, Aline Murphy. I want to firstly wish you all a very happy and successful new year and hope you're ready for the great lineup of topics and guests that we have planned on the Organic Stream Podcast. We're kicking off this year, this episode, with a focus on the use of compost in horticulture, how compost affects soil composition and soil health, and the plants or crops grown in it. And this week we're talking to Graham Brookman of the Food Forest in Gawler, South Australia, a 15-acre organic permaculture farm and learning centre growing over 160 varieties of fruits, nuts, grains, vegetables and timber. Graham and his wife, Anne-Marie, have been using compost on their farm for many years and in that time they've seen great improvements, particularly with their organic olive orchard, which we will be focusing on exclusively for this episode in order to show how compost has affected the plant and share the success factors of compost use in olive growing. Graham's experience with compost is very interesting as he has had to struggle with poor quality soil in the beginning, a highly saline soil with alluvial silt of up to 20 meters deep, and watched how a steady application of compost transformed the soil and the olive orchard and greatly impacted their business for the better. We'll be discussing this with Graham and also exploring the cost factors involved, issues with sourcing compost, the challenges he faced at the beginning and how long it took to see the changes in the soil and crops. So it's a great interview lined up for today. And before we start, I'd like to mention a very special event that's on our radar for this week. The world's largest trade show for organics recycling, the USCC's 23rd annual conference and trade show, Organics on the Rise, is taking place on the 20th to the 23rd of January this year at the Renaissance Hotel in Austin, Texas. The focus this year is on facility operations, the demand for food scrap collection and community composting programs. We're proud to be media partners for this exciting event and if you want more information, click on the link in the description on the podcast episode page or if you're on SoundCloud, it's in the description there as well. And now I'd like to thank Biobin for making this episode possible. Biobin is a mobile, on-site, organic and wet material management solution that starts the composting process and effectively manages odour from putrescible waste. Biobin can be used in a variety of outlets, including food manufacturing, restaurants, shopping centres, supermarkets and many more. And now, on to the interview. So Graham, um, let's set the scene a little. Can you tell me a little bit about the food forest and your olive orchard especially? Sure. The food forest is a small farm. It's uh, only about 20 hectares. And of that, at the moment, about seven hectares are irrigated. 
which is important because we have an annual rainfall of only about 40, 400 mils. And so we have about 160 different varieties of food that we produce. And in addition to the sort of raw foods, we do a lot of value-adding. So we would not only produce grapes, but the wine from the grapes and the vinegar from the wine and so on. So we tend to have a value-adding stream, which then creates its own byproducts. And those byproducts go back into the input of the system to keep it going. So we need the least possible non-renewable inputs from the outside. So uh, olives are a particularly interesting crop in our environment. Um, they're very sensitive to the amount of rain you get and if they don't get enough water then they will sulk and they won't really give you a crop and if they get adequate water then they'll feel really good and generous and give you a good crop. So we're sitting on the knife edge really with a crop like olives and um, the management of water in the soil is completely critical. So it's a very interesting crop to watch when you're thinking about how good your soil is and how you can maximise your yield given a particular rainfall. Okay, so it's ideal then for this episode as well as compost plays a huge part in water management, which you say is critical for olive growing. Um, but before we move on to that, can you share with us the situation you had with your soil before you started applying compost? I know it was quite poor quality and a bit of a challenge for you. Um, so can you tell me a little bit more about that? Well, um, the soil is naturally quite low in carbon. It's a alluvial soil, so it's largely fine sort of clay silt brought down from the hills and down from the Barossa Valley and dumped into this old riverbed. So the whole of our farm is actually in a riverbed and if the river gets angry, we actually go under. So uh, we're acutely aware of where our soils have come from. And um, the upshot of that is that we have naturally around about 0.7 of a percent carbon in our soil, which is very low. A decent agricultural soil in Australia is sort of somewhere between 2.5 and 3.5. So we started right down at the bottom end. It was a very, very unforgiving soil that had the capacity to chemically kind of concrete virtually in the summertime. And so it was like farming on clay bricks. And so our first and major challenge was to unlock the soil from this concreting and that was mainly done using calcium. So some sort of calcium-rich fertiliser, we used gypsum to chase the sodium ions off the colloids so that the soil would become a little bit more crumbly and, and from there it's just been steady building of carbon that has uh, led to the vast improvement of our soil. Okay, right. And um, carbon is extremely important for soils, of course. Um, So then when did you decide then to use compost and why? Well, we, I guess, had been uh, thinking about it for a long time, but we were bullied into going into a competition which was the South Australian Premier's Food Awards. And the sponsor of the award was a guy called Peter Waterwitz from Pete's Soils. And, you know, that was sort of by the by as far as we were concerned. We were just focused on trying to win the award, I guess, at that stage. But along the way, and particularly after we'd won the award, we got to know Peter very well. And it was only talking to him that I realised how cheap compost is. It's just much cheaper than chemical fertiliser. 
and it gives you all of the added micronutrients and it gives you carbon. So you have to be absolutely crazy not to use it. In our situation, we are very close to the source, that is the city of Adelaide, which has got you know a million people producing organic waste. So the hauling distance is short, therefore the price is very good. And we also had a good contractor who does spreading locally and uh, very competitive rates. And he uh, worked with us to devise a way of throwing the compost into the actual olive row, so right next to the roots of the olive tree rather than in the inter-row. And, uh, and so, A, we could get the compost cheaply. B, we could put the compost where it was needed so uh, altogether, it was yeah um, pretty easy to decide that that was the way to go. <laughs> okay, so a key factor then in using the compost successfully was being able to apply it directly to the roots of the trees where it was needed. So that's interesting. And um, this must make the compost more effective. And I'm sure it drove down costs too. Um, another aspect you mentioned is being close to the source of compost. And this is one of the biggest factors for compost and the affordability of compost for farmers. Um, I'm sure you agree. It is. The cost of transport can be an absolute killer. So if you're within uh, 50 kilometres of one of the actual manufacturing points for compost, then you're within competitive range. But once you start going... 100, 200, 300 kilometres away, it starts to get pretty much undoable. Um, so we're just very lucky, and it's my belief that we need to create cyclical systems where the city, which consumes the bulk of the food and many other non-renewable items, produces this magnificent waste stream, and uh, a lot of that goes out to sea, which is not appreciated by the marine organisms. And um, that all could be going straight into the farming system, which is just out on the periphery of the city, taking advantage of the wastewater and the waste nutrient stream. Yeah, that's exactly it. And if farmers had access to relatively close supplies of good compost, many more would be able to afford it, of course. And the compost that you use is from the city of Adelaide, you said, which has been collecting organic waste now for a long time. But then a big concern for those using compost is the contamination rate of the compost. Um, did you do any research into the quality of it or did you have any concerns about the contamination rate yourself? Well, we're organic growers, so it had to be certified organic, and um, that really was taken care of by the organic certification. And so really, we didn't have to worry much about it. Mm -hmm, I see. So you were confident then that the organic certification process would take care of this issue for you. And as organic farmers, you're able to use the compost made from non-organic materials from the city now because of the change in certification. Is that correct? Yeah, so, I mean, it, it, there was a particular day <laughs> at which one of the certifiers sort of said, OK, we are going to take the view that non-certified organic inputs, i.e. once composted and well done, can be regarded as organic. And that was a major breakthrough as far as I was concerned because up until that time we couldn't use it because it wasn't certified organic. And that was a, a mind shift by the certifiers so that was a, a very important point. 
Right, so that's greatly opened the door then for people who want to use compost on their organic farms, I suppose. And we'll stick with the topic of choosing compost now, because of course there are different types of compost to choose from, and it can be tailored to suit your specific needs as well. Um, so for your soils and for your orchards, what kind of compost were you looking for? Well, um, as a farmer, I guess what I was looking for in compost was a high nitrogen level because nitrogen is the element that drives plant growth most and in most organic fertilisers there's a dearth of nitrogen. So looking at the different producers, one sort of stood out as having relatively higher nitrogen levels, still not huge, you know, sort of only talking about between 1.5 and 3%, you know, in terms of difference. But it makes a hell of a difference to the plants. It's like you've got a rocket under the plant. And uh, so I was looking for high nitrogen. And I think that mainly we can thank the resource of animal manure for that. They had access to quite large amounts of animal manure which went into that particular compost and and that was uh, very important, I think. Mm -hmm. And um, how often do you apply the compost then? Uh, Back when we were poor, we could only put it on once every two years and uh, we sort of hit on a rate of about 22 cubic metres per hectare and that's applied in bands under the trees. And then we got a bit richer and we do it every year now. And that's much better because we could see in the second year of that cycle that our yields were less. So we need to keep topping it up. Um, The soil is working hard and it needs to be fed, that's for sure. Yeah, and it's interesting that the difference in yields was so clear as well. Um, And since we're focusing on olives, what's the most important thing to keep in mind when growing olives? And how does the compost affect the olive tree growth and the crop itself? Well, as I mentioned, olives, they really are capable of sulking. So it's very hard to kill an olive. They will just stay alive under really bad circumstances. But in terms of giving you a decent yield, you really need to look after them if they are going to look after you. And so they do need reasonable amounts of fertiliser and they do need a reasonable amount of water. And what we didn't have was any way of really storing extra moisture in our soil when it was low carbon. Now we have three times the amount of carbon in our soil, having used compost for 25 years. And so we have a much higher reservoir of water, which is actually carried within the organic and carbon in our soil. And you know that makes all the difference. Not only does compost kind of give you ultimately more carbon, it it gives you the capacity to sort of hold more nutrients and hold more water in the soil. And for olives, that just is enough to make the difference in, in our environment. And so we went, I guess we crossed a bridge about 15 years ago where the olives suddenly decided that they quite liked being here. And instead of miserable little olives and, and very poor crops, we started to see some really, really good crops. And it just gets better and better. Uh, we haven't had to use any other fertilisers really since we moved to compost. We had to fix up some stuff in the beginning when we were low in magnesium and, and calcium and boron. But once we had those essential things fixed up, we have simply used compost every year and it's given us all of the nutrients and, and of course, the carbon. So it has been quite miraculous. Um, 
I feel a bit slack, really, as a farmer, not having to do all of these recipes, <laughs> looking at different fertilizers every year. Yeah, I bet. Um, but that's really incredible, and it goes to show the power of compost, especially for increased water and nutrient holding capacity, which you say is a key success factor in olive growing. Now, you touch on some benefits um, here that you've experienced with compost, and I want to just focus on that aspect now and give people a clearer idea of just how big an impact it's had for you, particularly in the beginning. Mm. So according to the case study done by Compost for Soils on their website, even when you were only applying the compost every second year, production started growing steadily and yields had risen by 50% within a four-year period, Mm. which of course has led to an increase of staff as well. And soil organic carbon was as low as 0.7%, which you mentioned, Mm -hmm. and you've now got triple the amount of carbon, which then in turn has had a huge impact on the water holding capacity of the soils as well. Absolutely. With an increase of moisture infiltration and water holding capacity of up to 100% most of the time. So now you've got healthy and happy olive trees, thanks to, in most part, the compost. Yes. It's, It's bloody amazing, really. Yeah. But let's get on to how exactly the compost has benefited the olive plants and the yields they produce um, the way that it has. Can you tell me a little bit more then about how the olive plants themselves have benefited? Yeah, well, um, I think the, uh, one of the main things with compost is that you reduce the stress levels in your plants. And so here, if we hit a real heat wave, you know, the temperatures can go up to 46, 47 that's degrees Celsius, so 47 degrees Celsius would be around 116 degrees Fahrenheit, just for our audience. Yeah, and that puts the plants into stress to the point that they start producing some quite nasty chemicals, you know, some off-tastes, a lot of satanic kind of tastes, and I think that the compost works in a number of ways to combat that. One is actually keeping the soil temperature lower. So putting the compost on fairly thick as we do, it's not only acting as compost, it's also acting as mulch. And so if you had open soil, open unshaded soil, the temperature might be 70 degrees centigrade or higher. Well, you wouldn't want to experience that. Or you can go under a layer of mulch same place, and if it's a decent layer, then you're down around 25 to 28 degrees, absolute maximum. So it is absolutely staggering what a difference a bit of mulch makes. So that's one effect, and then you've got the continued capacity of compost to deliver water to the plant on those hot days. Uh, You just get that continual kind of availability of moisture. Um, So I think they're the two key things that compost will do that uh, conventional fertiliser won't. Mm -hmm. So it's crucial to supply the plant with a continual supply of water and the mulch layer as well is quite critical then for success when it comes to olive growing in hot climates. Well, yeah, and as I was saying with the olives, you know, uh, (laughs) if you don't keep the water up, then they, they just won't give you a yield. It's as simple as that. You're just wasting your time. So... Yeah, yeah, just you know, we we practice what's called deficit irrigation, where you don't give the crop all of the water that it could possibly use. You give it a percentage of that. It's like feeding children too much. You know, if you feed them too much, they get too fat and develop various diseases. But um, just keep them a bit leaner and a bit meaner, and uh, <laughs> but if you starve them, they die. <laughs> 
<laughs> you've got to you've got to find that sort of sweet point where you you provide them with enough nutrients and water mm-hmm. uh, that they give you that yield, and it's a very particular point. And I guess we all aim for that here because we don't have unlimited water. Every little bit of water is very critical, and the compost helps us to get to find that sweet point. Yeah, and of course, with such limited water, it's important then that your irrigation applications are effective too, which is again where compost comes into play. Uh, Overall, of course, if you are irrigating on soil with low carbon, the water will go ultimately straight through it. Uh, It's lost to drainage. Whereas if you've got a good carbon level in the top metre of soil, you can store a bucket load of extra water, which means that every kilolitre of water that you're applying is actually being used by the plant instead of losing half of it to drainage. And, And that's tremendously important. And then in terms of utilisation of the water that you've got in your soil, if you can reduce the transpiration and keep your plants together where they haven't kind of collapsed, then again, you're getting a much more efficient use of the water. So, yeah, you're winning in a couple of ways. That's right. And I didn't mention it before, but over that four-year period, again, um, your irrigation applications grew to be 25% more effective. So not only because of the carbon's capacity to hold water, but like you say, it lowers the temperature of the soil. And that means there's less evaporation occurring as well. So again, a mulch layer can really make a difference here. Um, But aside from these obvious benefits, what other benefits have you experienced with compost use? Oh, the soil microflora. So, you know, if you've got a lot of carbonaceous material, just general vegetable material and so forth, you find that you're developing much healthier microbes. We have a laboratory in South Australia that actually tests the different types of microbes you have in your soil. And so you'll have Uh, bacterial ones and fungal ones, you'll have pathogenic ones and beneficials and um, there isn't any doubt about compost. It just really fixes soil up that otherwise, you know, has no defence for the tree if there's a potential bacterial infection or something like that. With the compost, you'll suddenly find that you've got all of these fungi, actinomycetes and so forth that will get stuck into these pathogens and uh, protect your tree. So, yeah, there's no question about that. So we, we actually got our soil tested by uh, Dr. Ashley Martin at this laboratory, microbe-wise, is the, is the test. And uh, when we first got the results back, he's got all of these issues in your soil like gauges that you would have on the dashboard of your car. And if the speedometer reading, if you like, is right across to the right, it means you're, you're really good for drought tolerance and you, you know, if you've got another dial, which is really good for bacterial, fungal balance, etc., etc. And you know, with our soils that have had compost on them for, for so long, like every test that was done by this lab was right across to the right-hand side fully on and um, so it was good to actually see that this trial which was done using the DNA testing of all the microbes in the soil proved exactly what we'd been suspecting all along. Excellent and compost use for you seems to have been a complete success then but did you face any challenges especially at the beginning maybe with sourcing or applying the compost? Well, I suppose working out how we could band the compost along the actual tree rows was 
we it was a, muck, a lot of mucking around. We we tried chutes, sort of sticking out the side of the machine, and that was quite clumsy because they had a bloody chute that used to crash into trees every now and then, and so forth. And then this guy from Africa, uh, as a welder, he designed these baffles that went on the back of the spreader. And so the spinner would spin the compost out and it would hit these baffles and then bounce into the right place in the row. That was uh, really good. So, yeah, no, once we worked that out, it's been pretty straightforward, really. Mm-hmm. And so once it's set up, it's been quite an easy process. Very good to hear. Um, but then were there any challenges you faced specifically with the olive crops, maybe? Yeah, I guess we did have quite erratic sort of yields with quite a lot of the crops and so we found that the individual climate of a year was kind of critical to success. And I think compost has kind of evened that out quite a bit. So if you the crop just charges along anyway, even if you know, when you started this whole process, a year like that would have just written you off, it would have destroyed you. It doesn't do that anymore, the, the, the crops and the trees. Everything's more resilient. I think that's really important. Uh, it gives you much more confidence, that's for sure, as a farmer. Right. And, of course, you've been using compost now for a very long time. But I'm interested to know when exactly you started to see the changes in your soil and your crops. Um, how long did it take for the compost to start making an impact? Was it a slow process or...? Well, I guess the soil improvement kind of came with both calcium sulfate combined with the compost and the gypsum really, if you get rain, it takes about two or three days and you will notice a paddock that was like rock now is quite soft. Uh, The compost was much slower and uh, so in terms of noticing a perceptible rise in soil carbon, friability, you know, workability with machinery, that sort of stuff, it took two or three years to get anywhere. But I think once you get to a certain point, you know, you're going to actually see the benefit in the year of application. So I would say that nowadays we get all the money back in the first year and then more money back in the second and third and fourth year from a given application. So your compost is extremely valuable because you're paying off the investment in the year that you actually apply it and then you're getting more and more benefit from there on as well. That's actually a great point to make. So the benefits of one year's application can stretch much further than that year. And I mean, clearly compost has been a great success and a great help for you at the food forest. And it's exciting to see more and more people using compost um, as awareness spreads. But while I have you here, I'd like to ask your opinion on why you think some farmers are slow to use or invest in compost. Oh, most of them are too far away. That's, that's the problem for a lot of them. I mean, farmers are very, very practical people. If they do the sums and they can see that they will make money in their operation by buying compost rather than something else, mostly they'll take the plunge. They're very, very hyper-aware of economics. Uh, They'll change crops from season to season, be watching world markets. So there's usually an economic reason. They're economic rationalists, that's for sure. But the other thing is that you can put on a powerful fertiliser, you know, through your drippers in 20 minutes. Uh, you can't do that with compost. Um, <laughs> uh, so fertigation particularly is very, very, very fast way of getting nutrients to plants. So, so I think, I think you know, not being a purist is half the problem. So I would see 
practice emerging that says we're going to you know, base the soil health of our operation on compost and we are going to continue to use sophisticated manufactured chemicals to maintain the exact control that we want in our greenhouses or whatever it might be. But we could probably still use twice as much compost as we are at the moment. Yes, uh, we would definitely agree with that. And as a final question then for you, Graeme, before we finish up, do you have any final words of advice for other farmers out there or olive growers out there who are looking to use compost? Um, I guess the sooner you start applying compost, the sooner your soil structure will change. That's the main message. You just jump in and start doing it and I think you'll find that you never stop. You know, I know a lot of people who have kind of weaned themselves onto compost. Mm-hmm. In other words, they've applied a bit of compost for, you know, a couple of years, but they've kept a little bit of chemical fertilising going on at the same time and then they've switched right across to compost. And so if you're scared, you can do that. It's sort of like organic. You convert half your property and then do the rest when you're convinced that you're making more money sort of thing. So particularly for farmers that have got a bit of land close to the city, they'll find that they can increase their crops, you know, maybe increase their yield two or three times, become more profitable and be doing the right thing for the planet. You know, it doesn't get better than that. Excellent advice and um, great final words there. Unfortunately, though, that's all we have time for today. Listeners, you can find the excellent food forest case study and many more on the Compost for Soils website. That's www.compostforsoils.com.au. So do check that out. And um, Graham, thank you very much for coming on the show to talk to us today. Thank you, Doggy. Look after yourself. Thanks a million. You too. Bye. That was Graham Brookman for the Organic Stream podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. To keep up to date with episodes, do subscribe to us using the options on our podcast page. And if you're using iTunes, don't forget to leave us a review. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us on our website, organicstream.org, or on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is theorgstream. That's all we have time for this week. Tune in again in two weeks' time for more great stories. Yeah.